It's a whole seven years in the future from now as well. It's 2029. Oh, it's... Yeah. <laughs> At least that's a bit of time. It was a real problem in the 80s and 90s where oh, they yeah. put it like five years <laughs> yeah. into the future. 1999. <laughs> Cyborg takeover. Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Here on Filling in the Gaps, we talk about puzzle games and puzzling movies, of which today... I suggested one that I found puzzling. I find it less so now. We're going to talk about why. But that movie is Ghost in the Shell, and that is the one from 1995, which I'm pretty sure is the original movie version. Yeah, yeah. I saw this. I don't know when I saw this. I think I saw this in like 1998 or something like that. I think I was a few years late to it. Did you see it on video? Yeah, VHS. I saw it in the movie theater, but... These kind of movies in those days typically took longer to get to the cinema, and it was usually only an indie art house that would show this kind of thing. That's part of why I wanted to do this again, because I remembered it being very difficult to understand, but I also remember vaguely, this is, again, 1995, I had promised to take my friend to see it, Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure that I had a paper due that day, so I probably stayed up all night working on the paper because I procrastinated and thus I was pretty tired that day and so I thought okay well I'll watch it this time and I'm probably have no problem understanding it at all but the thing is honestly I did and I have reasons for that I think but let's get into some of the details. Ghost in the Shell was written by Kazunori Ito based on the manga by Shiro Maskamune directed by Minoru Oshii. IMDb has it at 7.9 Rotten Tomato, critics 95%, audience 89%. Yep, pretty well received, man. Yep. I'm kind of shocked by that, but maybe that's just because of my personal feelings toward this one. We'll get into that. I like the IMDb description that they've given. A cyborg policewoman and her partner hunt a mysterious and powerful hacker called the Puppet Master. Simple enough. Simple enough, and honestly clears up a lot. If I had even seen that, I think, before I saw it the first time, that would have helped. But again, I need to get into that when we get into the movie. The movie is science fiction. It is animated. It is a feature film, but just barely. We will get into that. It has a one hour and 22 minute run, but a lot of that's just wasted montage. (laughs) It really is a long, short film, in my opinion. Do you feel the same? You said that's shorter than you remembered. Yeah, it's a lot shorter than I remembered. Yeah, it could have either done with being a bit longer or, like you said, cutting out some of those really long... I mean, even in the credits, it's like this is the most long shot of looking out a bedroom window with no one in the bed. (laughs) It takes like a minute or two minutes to get past. I have a few where I wrote down the times because it was just so ridiculous to me how long they were spending on some of this stuff. It was getting to that point where it's like, oh... Are we still doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is the movie still happening? Uh, I do suspect that the movie was done on a bit of a budget. There are some tricks in here that seem pretty obvious. <laughs> but maybe that's just to me as looking back now. When I saw it the first time, I didn't feel like it was cheap. But I certainly feel like there are a few things where they skimped out on now. I don't know what they did. I think they did a... Uh, it was a, a different kind of way that they animated this. It was uh, a mixture of like cell shading and computer graphics they did. And the soundtrack as well is really, really good. I I only own two soundtracks for anime, this and uh, Akira. I disagree. I love the soundtrack of this. Even past the title screen one, there's some really good tracks on it. 
At least in my opinion. But yeah, Akira will always be my number one animation soundtrack. And that one is far better. Here's the thing. There are a few times where they have these songs where the music's okay, but the singing that backs it is almost this shrill, shrieking... That's why I like it. Maybe it's traditional. I don't know. It is some kind of ancient Japanese... Bulgarian hybrid is what it is. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. If you've played Nier Automata, a lot of very similar music, which is only part of why I did not like Nier Automata. But this, listening to it here, and I'm just going to say it now. I watched it twice this week. Once, just to watch it, to see, do I understand it? I didn't really. At least not enough that I felt comfortable. And the second time I took notes. And it was only by taking notes that I really felt I started to really understand what was going on. We're going to get into why, but my thing is, I think there's a lot of bad storytelling in this movie. They also try to throw way too many things into what I would say is a short film. And they all get in the way of each other and don't spend enough time on any individual thing. Might be a product of them trying to squash a a whole series into... A single film. It is, but... I've I've never read the manga, so I don't know. It might be. I didn't read it either. My friend pointed out the ending to me, which was slightly different. I'll get to that at the end of here. So, yeah, warning, there's going to be a minor spoiler for the end of the manga. But I don't think that's an excuse. I know, I mean, it's it's a shortcoming. Yeah, I'm not not saying it's an excuse. I'm saying it's probably... It's the same as what's still happening today with uh, Warner Brothers. You know, it's the same thing. Try to crush... 17 films into one two and a half hour movie right but that's my biggest complaint probably the the way the story is told those two songs that i just can't stand and the fact that they tried to do too much and didn't really get enough of anything to make me feel anything i will say this here's my hot take i guess for the day (laughs) i think the live action 2017 version is actually better i haven't seen it yet so no, no comment and that's fair I think if anything I'm going to get hate on, it's going to be that comment. <laughs> and that's fine. You can say that they dumbed it down for Western audiences. Fine. I don't agree, but fine. I think they tackled the same subject matter, but with some different themes in a way that worked better. I think the storytelling was just so much better, especially with the way that it was filmed and edited, which is what this one in my opinion, didn't do and why I find it so perplexing unless I'm sitting here with pages of notes. But we'll get into that in the spoiler section. So I would suggest, even if you want to watch this one, I would say watch the 2017 one first. It will be easier to understand. Then you can watch this one. I don't know. I mean, I don't see the problem with this one, though. I don't don't see why it was so confusing for you. So we're going to definitely have to get to that because... For me, it's pretty straightforward. I don't know why it was so confusing. Yeah, we're going to get into that. <laughs> but Maybe you point out something that I, I, I'm stumped on. You um, would recommend this, though. I would definitely recommend this. I love this film. I love this film, and I love how other movie makers love this film. The Matrix has obviously taken so many things from this. It's funny you say that, because I'd say this movie took a whole lot of ideas from other things. Oh, yeah, definitely. They took uh, from, uh, well, even almost the name Ghost in the Machine, didn't they? So uh, I think it's a, a book on philosophy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's the old things, no such thing as an original idea. There is, but that's part of my issue with this one, as I feel like where it gets a lot of credit for being so innovative and introducing ideas that are still 
we're talking about today, I feel like all those ideas came from bigger, more popular, more well-known stuff from the 80s and early 90s that would have happened before this. My personal opinion, probably hot take number two. Well, let's get into that for sure later on. We will. But with that, though, I think it's time. Make your choice how you want to watch the movies. Watch the animation first. (laughs) On VHS. Crackles crackles and all. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) With that, though, it's time for us to head into the spoiler section. So here it is, your spoiler warning. Okay, so let's start right at the beginning. Here's problem number one of many, I think. We get an introduction action scene that actually has facts that we need to know throughout the rest of the movie. We don't know who the characters are yet. We don't even really know what the setting is. I still don't know what the setting is. I'm assuming it's Tokyo, but I don't know. I think it's Hong Kong. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. There's a, there's a, there's a, the only reason I, I, I think that is, I think there's bits of Kowloon Bay and there's a double-decker bus in it. So I, I assume it's Hong Kong. It is a world where apparently things have flooded permanently, but that doesn't really get addressed. We're just told this is where the flood hit worst, and we're not even told that until about halfway nearly to the end of the movie. It's a whole seven years in the future from now as well. It's 2029. Oh, it's... Yeah. <laughs> At least that's a bit of time. It was a real problem in the 80s and 90s where oh, they put yeah. it like five years into yeah. the future. 1999. <laughs> Cyborg takeover. But that's the thing. I think they rushed right into an action scene that was really important. We don't know who any of the characters are. As I said, we don't know the setting. We don't even know what's going on. You can kind of get the idea of they're being observed. We get the x-ray vision, which, boy, the mid-90s CG. This just looks like it comes from a video game, (laughs) but a PS1 video game. So, good for its day, kind of laughable now, (laughs) especially given that that's going to be, would you say, nine years into the future? Yeah, exactly. There you go. You work work with what you've got, though, don't you? There's a lot of radio chatter, and here is a storytelling problem. The radios in this world are primarily, at least with this group of people that we're going to follow the most, mind comms, meaning they can just send messages directly from their brain to somebody else's brain. A cool concept, but poorly done. We don't know who any of the characters are, and we will just sit on one character, watching them as the whole conversation is going, rather than, and this is where the 2017 version does this better, cutting to the other person who is talking. Even if their mouth isn't moving, we at least are seeing who is talking. It is so difficult for me in this movie to know who is talking most of the time because we aren't looking at them. Yeah, they're sometimes off camera. We also haven't been explained that that's what's going on. So we're just looking at the major sitting there, not moving her mouth, not doing anything. We don't know if she's listening into two conversations at the same time. Or imagining something, thinking it. We have no idea what's going on. Are you starting to see why I find this movie a little confusing? It's not so much the overall, oh, what happened? It's each scene, there's just something completely baffling and perplexing in what's going on. I mean, here's the thing as well. Probably the main difference between our experiences is I saw this on VHS, so I probably watched it 10 times. In a, you know, in a week with my friends because we liked it so much. And there's probably a lot of it that I just don't remember now that I didn't understand. But because I could just hit rewind and watch it again, we kind of poured over it kind of thing the next time and, and like 
got all the story together. Maybe that's the big difference here. Uh, because I don't know if I had the same problem when I first saw it. Like, oh, who's talking? What's, the, what, what's going on? I probably did in some spots. But I, I don't know. I think you catch on pretty quickly. The little robotic twang to the voice. There's like a, an echo, a digital echo kind of thing on, on the voice when, when they're speaking along the channel. Like this mind, con- not mind control, what do you call it? Like mind com. Mind com channel. And so, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe well, here's it took the, five minutes. Here's the other thing, though. I'm not sure if I saw it subtitled. And I don't know that the English audio properly did that either, which would make that even more confusing. I've never seen the original, that's for sure. I've never seen this in, I've never seen this in the original dub. Original mm-hmm. dub? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I've never seen it in Japanese. I've only ever seen this in English. Oh, okay. And they do have the, the tinny sound. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because in the version I was watching, it started off in English and then I swapped it over. But the very first thing that it said is not tinny at all. So I was a bit uh, worried that they weren't doing that. Okay. But that is good because then you've seen one version, I've seen the other. So that can help clear up any of those confusions. A futuristic helicopter is going to fly in. This is where the major, a woman in dark glasses and a coat, but apparently no pants, sits on a building. She's listening in through, as you said, the tinny audio and uses x-ray vision to watch what's going on. Now, as I took notes the second time this week, I know that they are talking about Project 2501. But I'm so, in the first time watching, trying to figure out who is who and what's going on, I don't have time to listen to what this Project 2501 is. The opening scene like this in an action movie is meant to just establish your characters and establish what's going on. If you're going to jump into the action, it shouldn't affect the overall story or in a very minor way, whereas this is the story. Yeah, but I mean, on the first take, you're not, you're not going to know that. You're not going to... I mean, I certainly didn't. Exactly. And that's my problem, is that in this opening, in a storytelling like action sense, this opening scene... I'm just trying to figure out where am I, who's my main character, what's their motivation, what's going on. I don't want to have to know tiny details here that are very important 40 minutes later in the movie. (laughs) I mean, it's not really that important, though. I mean, it is important later on, but it's not like you're kicking yourself like, oh, why didn't I see that in the beginning of the film? It just happens, and it's like a little thing like, you know, I didn't know at the time. I had no idea what Project 2104, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But I mean... It's not the end of the world, like to drop a hint, like, "Hey, this is something," and then, and then maybe on your second viewing, you're like, "Oh, they were talking about it right at the beginning of the film." That's that's clever. I mean, I don't know why that's a big deal. I think it is because I think it's indicative of the way the storytelling happens in this movie. It I often... don't have a problem with this. I get a problem with all the all the really long expository parts, which are really dumb. Right, but I feel but... like this is doing sort of the same thing before you're even ready for it. And I this, dis- I disagree. I'd say. If you want to say this is a clever way to do it, that's fine. But we needed to establish something else first. We need to know the characters. And another storytelling problem, each character seems to have multiple names and titles and different characters use them all over the place. It is such a nightmare for me to understand who the characters are talking about. Yeah, especially when it comes to Major, because she's got like Major and then the name that she has and... Her family name, her given name. Yeah, yeah. she's got like three names. <laughs> and different characters will use them. And we never get one time where they say the whole thing, <laughs> which will seem really cheesy. But honestly, this movie needed that. It needed that a few times to just tell me, who are these people? Yeah. I would say the same thing about the different divisions. Oh, this is Division 9. This is Division 6. 
And then sometimes the division like six, I think, is the equivalent of their Ministry of International Affairs. Basically, section six is the CIA. Section nine is the FBI. It's like one's a federal one, one's an international one. But how do I know that? Oh, because they explain it. (laughs) They tell you later on in the film. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Okay. I'd be very curious where you think they actually explain what those are. I think they explain it when the section nine people come to recover the body that they find. That's like 50 minutes into the movie. It doesn't matter. It does no, matter. It no, it doesn't. Because the whole thing here is about the conflict between the two. Yeah, but what you're saying is you want them just to lay the whole thing out in like, all right, here's the entire film right now. No, Everything no, no. That you That's need. actually what I don't want. But you, no, no, you're saying you want all the details of who everyone is, what everyone is, where they all are, and then you want to move on from that and not discover it as you go along. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, what are you saying then? What I'm saying is it needs to be explained when we are introduced to them. I disagree. I don't think so. Why? You know there's two divisions. I mean, if they told you, oh, one's for industrial espionage and one's for this, you know, it would give too many things away right at the start of the film. I don't think so because I feel like the first time I watched it this week, I still had no clue what they were. You get to, what is it, the Division 6, where they explain it like 50 minutes into the movie, but... I didn't know that whole elevator thing where the two guys are going down. I didn't know what was going on, who they are. It's almost like having Game of Thrones where they just tell you all the families, but nothing about the families. I mean, it could be earlier than that. I don't know. That's 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 uh, one point when I know that they mention it. But it may, maybe it's before that, but I don't know. I think that they often, as well, they maybe do that, but they talk about them in different terms. Again, Section 6 and... Ministry of Foreign Affairs are ne- necessarily mentioned together as though they are one thing. So I think that in my head, they were two separate things. And I didn't know what Section 6 was versus the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Mm. Okay. I just found this whole thing to be completely baffling in that. Mm. Let's get to the action. Okay. So yeah, she's going to be told she's not supposed to jump off. She does anyway. Of course, she has to pull off her coat and have skin-tight camo Thermo camel, I guess they call it, because it's this kind of movie. I mean, don't they do that in the 2017 version though, as well? They do, yeah. yeah. But it's a little bit different, just in the fact that, well, <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to the opening credits. Yes, they do. However, I have the same issue there. Right. Though, I think that in the 2017, uh, so yeah, I'm just going to say there's going to be minor spoilers for 2017. I think she's the only one that has that camel. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this movie, she's not. And the other person who has camo does not have to have a skin-tight outfit. Yeah. And also, her face is not covered. They do that thing where she covers it with her hand, but she's not actually covering her whole face. So you still see her eyes poking through or something. Doesn't work for me. But that's fine. It looks cool. I'll give them that because it wins with the fun factor. Yeah. You've got... What's very important here is some guy who I guess is meant to be American trying to get the programmer to defect. Yeah. But there's nothing about this guy that tells me he's American. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Yeah. I thought he was just another Japanese official until he starts talking about, I have diplomatic immunity. Mm -hmm. I don't know where he's from. And even in this world, throughout this whole thing, I only know that the United States exists because they tell us it does. There's just no sense for me of what this world is or how it exists. 
we have Hong Kong under a flood, or at least a huge part of it under a flood. Yeah. But nothing else is explained. How do I know what exists? I didn't even know there was a... Where did, where did you pick up on... I've seen this movie like 25 times. Where was there a flood? I didn't even... I still don't... I, just, I still never heard that part. Okay, so that part comes towards the end when she's on the helicopter about to have sort of the final battle. Oh, okay. And the helicopter pilot, I think... I'm not really sure who's talking at that point. I'm assuming it's the helicopter pilot, says, oh yeah, the flood hit here the worst. Ah, okay. So again, I don't know if that's just conveniently now, but since everything looks so broken and abandoned, mm. I'm assuming it happened a long time ago. Yeah, so we've got this 2501 project that is being talked about now. And yeah, I suppose you don't need to know every detail now, but I was kind of shocked later in the movie when, oh, that was important. All right. The whole idea is he's trying to get this programmer, the US guy, whatever. He's trying to get the programmer to defect so that they can work on a program and debug it. Any program can be debugged. But the programmer says, I'm not even sure that it is a bug. And this kind of really does feel to me that it plays important into what happens later. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's important. But it's just like just dropping hints. In. Okay. Perhaps I just wasn't ready to be given hints at this point. I'll give you that one. We are, of course, just about to get the original purpose of the program. Oh, the program was meant to. And then, of course, we're <laughs> going to get cut off. Yeah. Another voice is going to speak into Major Motoko's brain, saying... There's a lot of noise in her brain. She says it's her period. I don't know what that's about. I think it's just a joke because she can't have one. But also, what's the noise? Is that meant to be I think it's the just puppet her... master interfering already? I think it's just her ghost. Okay, yeah, well, we're going to have to talk about the ghost. Do you want to talk about the ghost now or later? Well, let's get through this, this scene first. Okay. Basically, the police are going to come in. The security guards have these really cool guns that they pull out of briefcases. Mm -hmm. One of them starts firing. The ambassador says, I didn't tell you to shoot. Why are you shooting? The head of Section 6, I believe, runs in and says, you can't steal him. He's got confidential information. That's a breach of national security. Something along those lines. And then <laughs> the screens, which are displaying fish on the wall, just get blasted as Matoka fires and kills the ambassador? Yeah, she shoots him in the head, and then... Like, she shoots oh, again until his spine is showing. His, his head explodes, yeah. It's uh, quite over the top. So he's not the same ambassador guy we see later, then? No, no. Okay. This is something that I've never quite understood. I thought he came back. In a world of cybernetics <laughs> well, that... We can rebuild him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they do in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. But I mean, I think the whole reason for the violent death is that the one thing that you cannot replace is a brain. And so that's the most important commodity. So by completely removing his head via explosion, you kind of get rid of the chance of them rebuilding him. Which seems a bit extreme. Extreme measures for, yeah, yeah. For okay. an extreme situation. <laughs> That's the one thing that they, that they do explain later on is that you can rebuild any part of your body. And in fact, most people who live in this world today, this 2029 20, world, do have some form of augmentation. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that you can't replicate is a human brain and a ghost. That would make sense to make assassinations, especially of top people. You, you need to like remove the entire brainstem kind of thing, you know, like blow it to pieces so it can't be rebuilt. I'm, right. okay. I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. <laughs> Heads exploding. Looks cool as well. This is where she falls back. They see her as she blends in with her camo. She does her. What's that wrestling guy? You can't see me. John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to get the title 
montage of mm-hmm. her being created? Is this a memory? A dream? I don't know. I don't think it's a dream. I don't think you could remember your own birth. Well, that's what I thought. But also, why would she dream this? It makes no sense. I think it just looks cool. I just wanted to show you. This is how they're made. Yeah, and also, oh, here's some boobies. Yeah. <laughs> the movie does that a lot, I feel, unnecessarily. Yeah. It's it's a weird time to put it in the movie. This, to me, should have been at the beginning. This would have made more sense to put at the beginning than to put after you already had action, after she's already established as existing because in my head even this time i was questioning whether she was being rebuilt because maybe she got shot on the way down or something i didn't know what was going on or falling off a building (laughs) or does she get all that too does she have to go through this every time i didn't know but i think that it's meant to be when she was originally created yeah, and that's one thing that they never explain in this film is how or why she was originally created. And I did find out that in the manga, she was a little girl, she had a terrible accident, and they managed to save her, and then she became this. But that's not explained at all in this film. Yes. And, it, I, and I wish it was. Uh, to be honest, even even now, I was like, maybe I missed it, and I'm waiting for it again. Like, Is there, is there a line that explains something? If there is in the film, I didn't hear it again. And that's a shame. That's one of my kind of like, oh, man, I really wanted to know that. I don't want to have to read the manga to get that. I think that, I think that's important. That is one of the more core focuses of the 2017, which is part of why I prefer that one. Uh, okay. Okay, but <laughs> that credit scene goes from 4 minutes and 6 seconds to 7 minutes and 14 seconds. Three <laughs> minutes of that. Yeah. In a movie that's only an hour and 22. Yeah, it's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. With, I think, about six minutes of credits as well. Already, we're now cutting close to the hour and ten mark, let's say. Yeah. And it gets worse later. This is the music that I hate as well. So, I did not like this scene at all. I, I like this music. It's really... I can see why it would grate on people's nerves. I just like it. I think it's really haunting sound. I think it's a, it's a great sound. I like it. It's something different. I don't know. It's like a brain wake-up call. I, I like it. I think many people do. I'm just not one yeah. of them. All right. I think now let's go ahead and talk a little bit about The Ghost. Mm-hmm. I still don't get it. I've watched two movies. I've watched this one twice this week. I still don't exactly get what it's supposed to be. Do they explain it in the 2017 one? A little bit better, but not to my satisfaction. Because it is the core. I mean, it's in the title. It is the core of what is going on in both movies. And I still feel like it's not really properly explained in a way that I can understand. It almost wasn't in the title of the movie, because I think the original title was something like, blah, 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 robot police. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) thankfully they didn't go with that. (laughs) I don't know. I think I kind of would have liked that. I certainly would go for a movie called Robot Police. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't have anything massive to say about it. The ghost is just your consciousness. It's The shell is your body, and that's the whole point of this film is, you know, the kind of, I don't know what you would call it, the duality, I suppose, between your physical body and your your mind. And so the ghost is just your consciousness or your soul, I, I suppose, and your shell is your body. And your that, shell can be replaced, but your, but your ghost can't. That's fine. And that's the way I interpret it the most. Yeah. But it also seems like they talk about the ghost as though it's programming. They do, yeah, because that's that's the whole point of the film, isn't it? And it's a bit in your face about it, especially some of the bits in the middle, like the extended monologues and stuff like that, where it's a bit much, for me, I'd rather they showed that part rather than just had five minutes of them telling you that Well, part. but that's most of the movie for me, which is, again, why yeah. I'm not a huge fan. 
what one of the themes of the movie is is what what does it mean to be human and so and that's fine look at the movies that i love that's a huge portion of the movies that i love yeah. this is my wheelhouse but this one doesn't seem to fit because it has just so many things going on and i don't feel like it explains any of them it mm -hmm. more it's one of those things where and i would probably blame near automata of this as well throwing out a bunch of ideas about this kind of thing without really following up mm. or really explaining it or really tackling any of them in any meaningful way. And that to me is incredibly frustrating. That's where I really think if they just focused a bit more on one or two aspects of that theme, instead of trying to do 20 different aspects of that theme and just talking, as I would say, talking at me. Mm. So talking to me, this movie just seems to like throw monologues and whole speeches and exposition in a way that is not fun. It's less informative than a lecture and just slightly more entertaining. Yeah. I mean, well, in those parts, I yeah. mean, certainly the action parts are more interesting, but like you said, five minutes of just them talking. Like on that boat, it's just like, <laughs> what are we doing here, man? Come on. The clock is ticking. The clock, the uh, clock is ticking. And... This is a short movie. We don't have time to waste. And yet I feel it does a lot of time. Well, the one thing that I wish was in this movie more, or at least was more explained, because this is what I think they were trying to go for was, can a machine have a ghost? And that, hence the puppet master part. That's the thing that they're hinting that he does have a ghost. And so what does that mean? You know, what does that mean about being human or being alive? And that, that was cool. And it's like, even if they made a sequel, that continued this. They did make a sequel. There are other There's things, but I don't think that they're direct they're sequels. Not, they're, not, they're not even canon. Yeah, they, they, they made a few sequels, but none of them followed up on this, unfortunately. Which is a shame, because I'd like to see what happens. Yeah, so uh, the, the ghost, yeah. It's just consciousness, whatever. Consciousness or soul. Or soul, yeah. And also somehow programming, which that's where I think they went one step too far. I was willing to accept, okay, it's the consciousness, it's the soul, it's what makes us human beyond the flesh. Mm. I was willing to take that. But then when it also becomes programming, now it's all muddy, and I don't really know what you're talking about anymore, and it's confusing. So I think that that is probably the core of where I get confused, because that, to me, is the core of what this movie is about. And so many others, I feel, have done the same concept, but in a way that was more clear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Let's get back to the movie. So at the end of the title scene, yeah, we're going to get a shot of her waking up in bed and then just the window behind her as she goes off screen to get dressed and then takes off. Yeah, we just wait there looking out the window. The Matrix style green digital <laughs> going by. An official is going to get off a helicopter. An old man is waiting for him. This is Arakami, who I think is head of Section 9, but... I don't think I'm ever really told that. I just know he's head of this division, this little group of people who are following. I don't know that I get that he's really head of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't really need to know that, but it would be helpful to know how much power he has. In the 2017 version, he mentions, well, I answer directly to the prime minister. So that tells me he's at the top. He's pretty high. Yeah. I didn't feel I got that in this one. No, I felt like he was a, he was their boss, but he was under control of someone else. I don't know. I don't know if that's hugely important, but he's definitely the boss of that. I think it just ties into, again, I don't feel like I'm really told who the characters are in a way that helps me out outside of maybe one. The The rookie is the only one I feel like I really get told who he is, 
what his situation is. <laughs> he's the guy that they use least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, no, he's not the one they use the least. No, no, he's not, not the least, but yeah. There's somebody else who we're going to see very briefly and then not again for like another 40 minutes. So right. Not that bad. Yeah. They get onto the biggest elevator of all time, mm-hmm. which looks like an office. And then there's a long bit. So, again, here's where some of the budget, I would say. I don't think we ever see anybody blink in this entire movie. No, that's one thing, yeah. I thought they did that on purpose because eye augmentation is so you don't need to blink. I know Major doesn't blink the entire film. And that to me is... doesn't blink because he doesn't really even have eyes. That to me is okay because we know their situation. But even the guy who they have because he's mostly human doesn't seem to (laughs) blink. Nobody blinks in this movie. But here's another thing where, yes, we get a lovely shot of the city as the elevator is going down as we're looking behind them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they just only have to mildly animate the head so they look like they're talking, but they don't even have to sync it up, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a cunning little trick. I like it, but I feel like they do this kind of thing a little bit too much in this movie. Mm-hmm. This is the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And... They're talking about basically the opening and what happened. Arkami is saying he wants to discuss the secret talks that are going to happen between the government and the Gavel Republic. Which I was like, who are the Gavel Republic? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Some republic full of judges? I don't know. (laughs) And I'm not even sure what that meeting is about. They make a big deal about it. We're going to see them watching it happen the only thing that I know, and I I get it, for this movie, the only thing that's important is, for the meeting, is the puppet master trying to stop it? Is he going to try to kill somebody? Mm-hmm. That's, I guess, all we have to care about. But I don't know what that meeting is. I don't know why it's important. None of that stuff. And it seems like in a movie where they want to do exposition and throw a bunch of information at me, one sentence about explaining what the talks were supposed to be might help. Yeah. <laughs> why does he want to stop it in particular? What is this briefcase that the guy with the white hair is going to hand over? Something. Because otherwise, I just feel like I'm watching that guy do his normal day's work. And it doesn't really mean anything to me. As the official leaves the elevator, he does thank, well, Arakami for help with what happened in the opening scene. So we know that Arakami wasn't working alone. He wasn't doing a rebel thing. He was helping out in some way. So I sort of get that and I appreciate that. But again... The first time when I didn't have notes, it's like, who is this guy? And, and we're just meeting Arakami. We don't even know who Section 9 is. I don't think we've ever seen him. So we don't even know that he is in charge of the Major and the rest of the group. Right. In fact, I don't think we've even been introduced to the rest of the group yet. I don't think so. In the lab, the Major is there. Arakami says that the body on the table was the Foreign Minister's interpreter and that she was hacked through a phone line 23 minutes ago. Phone line? Yeah, 2029. Yeah. (laughs) Still using landlines. Here's where we're going to get our first Puppet Master reference. The Puppet Master has begun infiltrating terminals in their network. He says that the Puppet Master hacked the interpreter's ghost, but again, how do you hack a ghost if it is your soul? Yeah, it's like... It's your, you know, your brain is, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 can, I can totally just fly along with this. So if your brain is a machine, then your brain can be hacked. If your brain is made of ele- electrical impulses firing off, it means that you can, you know, in theory, you should be able to replicate 
brain functions, right? right? And so if your brain is a machine, then your brain can be hacked. If your brain can be hacked, in theory, your consciousness could be hacked. And this is where I really feel like they just need to explain what a ghost is and yeah. just stick to that. So then I know what's going on yeah. because I don't know if they're talking about programming or if this is mind control, literal brain control. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's, it, that, that's the thing. And it, I think in one of the sequels, they go into this in more detail because it is missing from this uh, more, more explanation of what the ghost is and what it means to be human and, you, you know, consciousness, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, so it's like you can hack people's brains, which means, you know, are we really that different from machines? If if you can basically reformat your hard drive and put a new OS on it, and you can essentially do the same with a human being, you can reformat their brains and make them do whatever you, they want. You can implant memories and control them that way. Then are we any different from machines? I like, I like that kind of stuff. I do. It's a shame it's not delved into more. I like that. And I would say that you just explained it far more clearly than this entire movie did. <laughs> And you did it in far less time than most of their speeches. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there is a point where they need to just stop being so vague and mm. just tell us this is what's happening. I mean, when you talk about hacking, they're saying that they're hacking using an old virus. This is just techno 1995 jargon, man, I think. <laughs> it is, but that's the problem. Uh, it's that- why, to me, hackers is so funny. Right. It's not as much about how the comedy works as how ridiculous they thought computers and hacking worked Mm. and how they could show it on the screen. The mid-90s was terrible for this. Yeah. I will give that. It's a product of its age, though they probably started this in early 90s Mm. would be my guess. But still, especially with the hair. (laughs) (laughs) And some of the clothes. Yeah. Some of these detectives look like Miami Vice. Yeah. Especially the rookie. He always cracks me Don Johnson, man, with his... And, he, and well, the one thing that really bugs me, and it still bugs me to this day, is like, oh, me, my, my trusty... What is it? My trusty Motaver, or whatever the hell yeah. that gun's called. It's like, shut up about the gun, man. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's part of tying him into... He's the, like the old school. The old school, of, yeah. yeah. That's why he's mostly human yeah. and all of that. Arakami says his theory is they're using the interpreter to assassinate some of the key delegations, again, in the gavel talks, Mm. which we don't know what they're about. Lawyer convention, that's what it is. Tagusa is the rookie. Mm. I need to say this because I'm probably going to get it wrong in my notes because I confused him and Ishikawa for a very long time because we don't really get their names addressed to them, but we hear them talked about in meetings. Right, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It's a long time before you actually get... Oh, that's who that guy is. I don't think I know anyone's name in this apart from Batu and Major. I don't yeah. I don't think I know anyone's name. The names. thing is, I in my notes often refer to her as Major because I wasn't sure which name actually applied to her. Right. <laughs> well, I know she's Major. That's the only <laughs> thing. And it's funny in 2017 as well, a lot of times she's referred to as Major. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is meant to be more her key name and who you would identify. And that's fine. It says that the job is important to her and she's important to the job. Mm-hmm. I think that that's fine. But I think it would help if everybody just called her that and Batu didn't like just randomly say her different names. Yeah. <laughs> or we get it once. Once was all the names. So this young guy, this is where we're talking about him and his dirty Harry style revolver. Right. And his Don Johnson hair. He's driving while the major prepares. And this is basically just a scene for more exposition. 
we have you on the squad because you're mostly human and a family man and we can trust you and blah blah blah. Okay, great. Whatever. I don't think that it's that important. But I guess it is to say something here that comes up later in the movie, which I did not realize the first time I watched this week. And that is this bit about if we're all cyber people, then we're eventually going to stagnate as a group. There's no evolution. And one virus that can get one of us can get all of us. We need somebody who isn't as susceptible. Yeah, they need diversity in their team. Yeah, that's how nature works best. And how the team works best. And I think that that's good. And I also think that it is very good that they introduce it here. And then that's a message that comes up later. Mm -hmm. Very important. It feels a little weird here, though. But because it comes up later, I understand now. But the first time I was watching it, I, I don't think that's true. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could all have different operating systems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're on Python, you're on C+, you're on Ruby. You've got Linux. All of this stuff seems like that could help fix the problem without having Dirty Harry over here with his giant revolver. But, yeah. <laughs> they also go into what they think is happening, but he says, all the stuff you're talking about, there is no proof. Things like, oh, we think the Puppet Master might be American. We think it might be a woman. It might be blue. He's like, you don't have any proof. This is yeah. all just conjecture, which I I put that in my notes just before he said that. I went, oh, yeah, that's right. He does say that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to see a garbage truck. I, I do really like this. Everything about the idea, at least, behind what's going on here mm. is really interesting. The garbage man, the younger guy, is trying to make a... He looks like he's trying to make a phone call, but that's mm. we find out that's not what he's doing. But he's swiping a card that he finds underneath the phone. The older guy says, come on, hurry up. We've got seven seconds to get to the next stop. So they're very much regimented, which... Very Japanese style, yeah, like, gotta hit your targets on time, exactly. I'm not even sure I'd say that anymore. Amazon delivery seems to be a very similar method. You only have so much time to get the next package out. Right. Those okay. kind of things. I think it's sadly the way things are going. And this is a little thing that's not really overdone. This is the type of thing that if you're just going to throw little things in, that you can get away with. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of good. But not necessarily so many of the things where we have to talk about it for five minutes at a time. The young guy is going to talk about his wife and his kid and how he's trying to... I guess, from what I get, the other guy is saying, you really want to hack your wife's ghost that much. <laughs> and how do you have the way to do this? And the young guy says, oh, I was talking to a guy in the bar, and he took pity on me, and he said, this is how I can do it, but I have to keep swiping these cards at each stop, which we're going to find out is actually a way for the Puppet Master to hack in old school style without being as easily traced. It's going phone to phone. Yeah. When they get a call from the depot or whatever saying, well, we don't get that conversation. Just the older guy says, why do the police want to know about our rounds? The younger guy freaks out and says, no, they're going to get that guy. I need to get to him. So it's a race then between Tagusa and the major in their sort of military van. Bato and Ishikawa, the guy who we're only going to see now, and then not again until he's doing research 40 <laughs> minutes later, they are going to pull up and see the sad guy. Oh, I missed the garbage truck. Yeah. Can you take my garbage? <laughs> sure. But basically he says, oh, I saw the garbage man making a phone call. And so that's how they put it together, the race then. 
they're all trying to get to there and try to get to the next phone mm-hmm. where there is a guy taping a card underneath. They chase this guy. He's the one who has the camo that doesn't necessarily have to be skin tight. Yeah. It's going to end in a river, I guess, or a flooded a, a, a area. Puddle, basically. I like this scene. This is a really beautiful scene. Well done. Look, the background is all nicely done. It's all cut quite nicely detailed and stuff. And the action here is kind of fun as they're going through the market and all of that kind of thing. That's Yeah, that's straight out of the Matrix as well. They they took that scene. This is before the Matrix. So, I mean, I mean, oh. I mean, I mean, the, the Matrix borrowed this scene, like uh, the, with the exploding watermelons and stuff. The the whole shooting the watermelons and yeah, that whole market scene is like almost beat for beat in the Matrix. But yeah, I like this. I like this scene. I, I love how before they get into it, he takes out that gun and he kind of like stance. He's like gets his feet in position because that gun is so powerful that he it actually goes backwards. Back. Yeah. <laughs> and even Batu's like. He's using like what high velocity rounds in the, in the SMGs like that's bananas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's a cool fight to go back to the whole skin tight thing. I guess she's more military style, so it'd be like that suit gives her more movement and stuff like that. Maybe the camel thing you can still do with normal clothes, but it's just not as good. I, I don't know. But yeah, it does seem gratuitous. But one thing about the film is that they praised it for being like oh it's genderless and things like that and post gender is what they said. It's like, but is it? Really? I don't feel that way at all. Yeah, I guess... I feel it's very gender. There's a, there's a lot of nipples in there. Yeah. <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, her, she's rounded off, like, you know, you don't, you don't see anything of her. I don't think so. You do. Oh, do you? Okay. Even in the opening title credits. Oh, you do in the oh, in the very opening. Yeah, you do. That's but right. other times as well, I believe. Uh, okay. Of the major? Actually, that's a good question. I'm not sure that you do. It's certainly that torso. I know know you do with the torso and the secretary. Anyway, it's getting way off target there. (laughs) I will say she goes a bit far here. She breaks his wrist, breaks his ankle, just wrecks him. And then just to add insult to injury, Batu's at the end is like, you don't even know who you are, you idiot. (laughs) He's like, oh, neither neither I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is where we find out the guy has... False memories. The picture he was trying to show the other garbage man isn't even of his family. It's just him and his dog. Yeah. You don't live in the place that you said. You live in this tiny bachelor apartment and you've lived there for 10 years. When do I get my memories back? Oh, I wouldn't suggest that you do that because of the technology we have. It's not ended well so far. Mm. That's pretty hardcore. Brutal. I like that. So that's the thing. The garbage man thing from the sort of subterfuge, the race the action up to this dark moment of your whole mind has been wiped and it's never going back again is a pretty hardcore story and i i enjoy that i like that as well and that kind of reminds me of i don't know if i can say this but we can edit this out but like reminds me of like the manchurian candidate for example where well go and watch the manchurian candidate if you've not seen it <laughs> not seen oh you've not seen it no. oh well then i definitely won't say anymore it's just <laughs> a good movie the Major and Bata are watching as this guy is being told these things, and he says how even simulated experiences and dreams exist as info and reality, but also fantasy. Which I'm like, okay. It's a poetic way of explaining Total Recall, <laughs> which happened in 1990. And that's kind of my thing when it talks about, oh, it brings up all these topics. And like, well, yeah, but Blade Runner did it. A long time before definitely, this. I mean, that's one thing. If you're like, okay, the Matrix stole a lot from... Not stole, that's the wrong thing. Ma- the Matrix admitted right up front, the Wachowski said, we want to make Ghost in the Shell, but for real. That's how they pitched it to Joel Silver. Give me your money. They showed him the film and said, we want to make this 
because because they loved it and didn't, yeah, you know they didn't copy it beat for beat but watching this and you're like oh everyone's like oh it's so amazing it's so incredible it's way ahead of its time it's like well Blade Runner you know it's like I get a real Blade Runner vibe from in this film oh definitely the rain oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of the city scenes yeah. even just visually mm-hmm. but thematically and thematically as well. yeah it's like, what does it mean it's exactly what does it mean to be human but even I mean that's Say the 80s and early 90s were full of these. So I already mentioned Total Recall. We had Blade Runner. We had Short Circuit. We had Batteries Not Included. <laughs> I mean, there are just so many that deal with this Robocop as well. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh. <laughs> so when it gets lauded for those kind of things, it does just kind of make me go, yeah, but it doesn't really tackle them in the way that all of these others did, where they had a central core this is the one part of that theme they want to do i mean here's the thing that maybe again i'm no manga expert but maybe the mangas are from the 80s as well maybe maybe they predate some of these things that we're talking about and maybe that's the ideas for this movie all came from that so i don't know maybe maybe it goes back a bit further that's possible that's certainly possible we're gonna get two minutes of the major diving yeah so the free diving and this whole free diving exposition bit me and my friends used to always make fun of this bit. And my friend does an excellent Batu impression. <laughs> and so he would just speak like Batu. He would just take a deep breath and he would just speak without taking up a single breath in this monotone voice, just explaining like what he had for dinner and how he cooked it and how it was nutritionally viable and things like that, you know, just like this. <laughs> just this big, big long rant in this monotone voice. Batu, by the way. The voice of Raiden in Mortal Kombat. From the games? Yeah, from Mortal Kombat 10 and 11. He's the new Raiden. Oh. Yeah. I know how because you feel about that. Because I was pretty <laughs> disappointed with the new Raiden. <laughs> oh, interesting. I don't mind him here, though. But yeah, I, I looked him up. I was like, because you got me into playing Mortal Kombat 11 recently. Because I didn't know who Batu was back in the day, but watching it again last night, I was like... Man, I know who this guy is, but I can't place him. So I looked him up and said, ah, he's Raiden. Okay. Mm, Okay. Interesting. The diving scene, I really think is mostly just to get that shot of her as she approaches the top and there's the duality. Mm -hmm. But it's also, as I think I've mentioned in the podcast before, cinematic shorthand symbolism. Mm -hmm. Water is change and rebirth. And so you could also say that that is happening here as she's admitting that she's not really happy with where she is. She feels penned in for some reason. She feels like there's more out there. Another thing I would like to say about this scene is in the previous fight, after it's over, she crushes that garbage man. The Batu does cover the major with his coat. Mm -hmm. And here she is starting to undress and he turns away. He's showing her respect that I think that most others wouldn't, given the fact that she doesn't have a human body. Yeah, she doesn't have a, even she doesn't have really a regard for her own body. And so she just strips off because she's like, I'm mostly machine. But even, yeah, Batu shows a level of respect. I also think that it's meant to hint that he has affection for her. I always thought so as well. But it doesn't really play out here. I think it does a little bit more in the manga, but that comes into play with what happens at the end, which I'll I'll get to. Right. It's just not really here. So what we can have, though, is we could just say that he is a very respectful friend and partner, and that's great, too. Yeah. But yeah, this this long scene about her explaining what consciousness is and what life means and stuff like that, so like just 
add some minutes to your film and animate it and show me it. Put something in there that explains this part rather than just a philosophical lecture. <laughs> All right, Alan Watts, settle down. Where they drink San Miguel, which just seems very odd. That is another thing that points to Hong Kong as well. Okay. Because who was it? Was Jet Li or was it Jackie Chan? San Miguel is huge in Hong Kong for some reason. Oh, sorry. And so to, to finish that point is Jet Li, there's a famous commercial of Jet Li or, or, or Jackie Chan, I can't remember who it is, drinking San Miguel and going, yeah, this is awesome beer. You know, it's just, it's just a, a beer commercial. <laughs> Bato asks if she wants to leave Section 9 and she says something here, which is a kind of interesting concept. Well, the government owns all of me. So what am I going to do? This whole shell is basically the government. The brain is mine. Yeah, if I want out, I've got I to gotta give it all back. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. I think that's a small thing, again, that you can throw in there. And that's an interesting topic without delving too much into it. Mm-hmm. But it could explain partly why she does feel penned in. Mm-hmm. Because she has no choice. She has to keep doing the job. But I do wonder what happens when you retire then. Or do you just never live to retirement? Is that the idea? Maybe, yeah. Or they put you in a, a retirement shell, which is just a, I don't know, an old cardboard box with some flashy LEDs and stuff. It ends with a stupid ghost voice speaking, and they both hear it. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why they both hear it. Because the puppet master wants them both to hear it? I guess. <laughs> that was all I got. Because when he does bring it up, he's like, that was you, right? And yeah, I don't know. It's just showing you that the puppet master can just basically tap into anyone that he wants whenever he wants. I guess, but I think part of my problem is that it's tied to, as we'll find out later, a famous Bible verse that just gets overused. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, No idea. (laughs) I didn't didn't look it up. We'll get to that in the end part. Did you look it up, or does it explain in the film? I looked it up because I couldn't remember exactly which one, so I'll tell you which one it is, but we'll get to that. That's right at the very end of the movie. Ah, okay. But here we have a scene with... The music screeching again that goes from 3302 to 3620, I think. So over three minutes of this music, which I don't like, to get a montage of... A dreary Hong Kong. With boats going on what is now the canal because it's flooded, I guess. With the Major also seeing herself as a mannequin or in a cafe. It doesn't really do anything for me. And it just feels like a waste of time. The only thing I got was it's just it makes it, you know it's like a dark, sad, and beautiful part. That's what I wrote down. But visually, visually, it could, doesn't add anything. Could that to time the story. Have, could that time have been used better? Yes, yes. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> That's my point exactly. In a movie that is so short, you really have to make your time count. You yeah. don't have time for a three-minute establishing shot, and it almost feels like they were trying to separate out the story so that it didn't feel like we were being talked to and then being talked to again. But this is not the way to do it. There are better ways to pace your movie than this. This just makes the movie feel like it stops dead, which is not what I want. (laughs) Especially as we're getting into like the, the finale of the film, basically. We're going to see, as we get back to the movie, a naked woman standing in the street who gets hit by a truck. Yep. Static, fade to black. Visual sensors come online. We're actually looking through that woman's eyes, mm-hmm. which we know watching it that that is us looking from the puppet master's point of view. The major arrives late. They all insult her for being late for some reason. <laughs> but the body is going to look at the major. Bato gives a bunch of exposition. 
oh, a factory came to life and built this body that went out on its own. Mm-hmm. And now we have it because it got hit by a truck. Yeah, that, that was on purpose, right? What's that? Do you think that the puppet master got hit by a truck on purpose so that he would be basically delivered to Major? Okay, here's what was really confusing to me before. It'll have me skip over some things later. That's fine. Here's what we get between all of these scenes is that I guess, see, again, I get very confused as to who's the, like, the American embassy that's trying to steal the programmer and now trying to steal back this puppet master. Mm -hmm. And who is the Ministry of Foreign Affairs? So I'm not sure. But whoever comes to try to take the body. Section 9. Okay. No, no, no. Section 9 is major. Oh, sorry. Section 6. Okay. So, Section 6... Yeah, I'm confused now, yeah. So, Section 6 will come in, and they basically say this was their plan to lure the Puppet Master in, but the Puppet Master claims that it was his plan to get himself in because he couldn't get past the Section 6 security. Mm -hmm. It's so convoluted. (laughs) Everybody's saying they did it. Everybody's taking credit. It really doesn't matter so long as it happened, I guess. But we get to see those awesome typing fingers that that guy's got where his fingers just explode into these little tiny spiders they're just like just tapping away i called him dr typo for a while because <laughs> again i didn't know his name for ages yeah he is dr willis and apparently he's american yeah of course <laughs> he's head of strategic research at neutron company okay original name <laughs> well that's <laughs> that's what the subtitles gave me anyway Major wants to jump in. She's saying she's creating some sort of maze barrier, which guess is... Yeah, guess. Maze barrier. I mean, Maybe would they have had firewalls back in the night? That's what I was just about to ask. Probably some companies did, but I bet they were common knowledge. Or they had they had it, but maybe it wasn't called that back in the day. Maybe it was yeah. called maze barrier. <laughs> <laughs> maybe... Maybe that was the direct translation as well. And when did or yeah, exactly. Or yeah, when when was I wonder when fire the word firewall was was like kind of commonplace in the English language. I don't know. But Major wants to jump into the brain of this woman. Yes, that's important. In the elevator, Major asks Bato if the cyborg reminds Bato of her. Am I real? All cyborgs wonder this. Maybe I died a long time ago. Maybe I never really existed. This is right after the boat scenes. <laughs> it's a bit much. So, but obviously you do exist because you have a real brain. You have a ghost. So it's That's like, what he says, I believe. Yeah. But how do you know it's real? Well, well, exactly. Nobody ever looks at their own brain, as she says. Yeah. How do we know that right outside now, outside these curtains, is not just a green wall, and every time I open the curtains, the simulation gets filled in? Yeah, we don't know. We but don't know. Again, it's just throwing a lot of philosophical, this is what you would start the conversation with, but this is where it ends. Yeah. (laughs) It's also what I would say is taking the ship of Theseus, that philosophical argument of how many things can you replace and it's still the original thing, Mm -hmm. and throwing it here into the cyborg conversation. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. The, as I said before, the section six guys are going to walk in to claim the body in the basement. Tagusa Cleverly, I really like this, cleverly figures out that elevator, which normally shuts really quickly, took too long to close. Something's wrong here. Mm. Checks all the data and says, even if that one guy is fully cyborg, they weigh too much. There's somebody else there. A thousand pounds. Yeah. Although the thing is, I missed this part. Is it ever resolved? Like, did we ever find out who the third person was? Yeah, they're the camo guys who steal the body. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Duh. 
I don't think that it's very clear, but you can put that together. I'm willing to put that together for them. Yeah, okay. I, I thought that people stealing the body was a, a third party altogether for some reason. I don't know why. In a way it was, because I believe those are Puppet Master people. So did they sneak in with set the Section 6 people then? Yes, that's my understanding. Right, okay, well then I'm on track then. I thought I thought I had it backwards, right, but yeah, okay, so yeah, because basically the Puppet Master, how I understand this part is the Puppet Master, oh, you didn't answer the question. Do you think that the Puppet Master delivered himself to Manger? I'm going to say yes, just because it's easier. I think it is. I think it is, because I think he goes in and then he realizes, because he's got contingencies all over the place. He goes in, realizes he's not getting what he wants. It's too late. Here comes section six. All right, here's my hacked ghosts to come and bust me out. But how he made section six think that they did it is just, <laughs> it's like, it's just a step that we don't need. But okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But that is part of, again, what leads to this movie just being so utterly confusing to me unless i have notes in front of me wait who's section nine who is in section six what is section six's purpose did they do it did they not do it (laughs) the real answer is i think it doesn't really matter but you know the way my brain works we've been doing this podcast for a long time i'm going to be thinking about everything and this is where my brain is hurting (laughs) watching it the first time this week so many things are going on and i'm trying to figure it out but it doesn't matter It really doesn't matter. What matters is the end goal of just getting this body and the major to the same place. That's all that really matters. Yeah. But boy, they make it seem like everything matters. (laughs) And I think that's where I get so frustrated. Before the body gets stolen, though, there's a whole another philosophical argument where the body has to argue about, I can be copied and passed on. Wouldn't you say that's the same with DNA? When you say humans and AI are the same, like, <laughs> all right, get on with it. <laughs> get to the next action scene. I don't want any more philosophy that's just going to be thrown in my face, but not actually covered or really discussed. Again, I got a real Matrix vibe with this part. He reminded me of, who's the KFC guy in in uh, in the Matrix? <laughs> you know, the guy, <laughs> the KFC guy, the guy who looks like the colonel. He's like, he's not the architect. Is it the architect? No. Yeah, the architect from, like, Matrix Reloaded. Doesn't look anything like the Colonel. But go on. I just got a vibe. He's got white hair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why. That's just how my brain works. It's like, I've always just called him the KFC guy from the Matrix. My friend is his own puzzle for me to figure out. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, the way that he speaks and his delivery and what he talks about, it's exactly the same as with the Puppet Master, how he speaks. And it's just like... It's funny, because I hate that scene, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, just get on with it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's get on to the action then. Let's skip ahead. None of this philosophy debate stuff, which I think is what people laud it for, and I don't. We're going to have another, like, two-minute delay of movie where Dr. Typo is looking out the window, and we have a montage of, like, the chief giving orders to his typists that have the the Typo fingers. And all of that kind of stuff. Everybody's prepping. Everybody's doing that kind of stuff. It's okay, though, because this stuff actually plays into the movie. So I'm okay with this one. But again, time is precious in this movie, and they do not seem to realize it. The movie's going to resume with Ishikawa now. Here's the guy we saw with Bato in the car chase with the garbage men a very long time ago. And here he is again. And I only figured out this is his... Well, actually, I think they might mention his name once in this one. (laughs) But he digs up info about Project 2501. A lot of it 
feels redundant at this point because we've already heard it from the Puppet Master and Section 6 and their whole debate. He's the one who tells that Dr. Willis is from the United States and he was with the programmer at the beginning of the movie. So here's where the beginning of the movie ties in. Project 2501 is a program of the MOA, which I wasn't quite sure. It's Ministry of Something. I missed that. But they lost control of the program, and now they're trying to recapture it. This, I can't remember exactly which scene, if it was the one in the lab or if it's the one later, but the Puppet Master basically explains that is what he did. Mm -hmm. I think it's in the one later, actually. There is a possible body swap or decoy where the car with the torso meets up with another car. So they split up. And of course, <laughs> the Major is going to follow the right one and everybody else is going to follow the wrong one. Bato, though, is going to drive off, get some sort of experimental gun on his way <laughs> to, to helping her out as well. Yeah, that's like a shotgun from Doom or something like that. <laughs> that's one powerful shotgun. Someone, and I put pilot question mark because... I'm not sure with the mind comes how that works or who is talking, but this is where we get that bit about this was the part hit hardest by the flood. Ah, right, yeah. <laughs> I put a bunch of things in my notes here, like, what, permanent? Is it from the environment? What happened? Was this war? What's going on? <laughs> Why do you mention this now? <laughs> this, this is the type of thing you mentioned way early in the movie. You're now bringing up whole new things about the world. Just right at the end. <laughs> you could just say... Oh, that building hasn't been used for years. That's all I needed. Yeah. Actually, I didn't even need that. Yeah. <laughs> we know where the puppet master is. Just go get him. The major, of course, chooses to go in without backup. Only has two small guns. Says to the helicopter pilot, shoot the ceiling. And the glass magically deactivates the camo of what is the spider tank, I guess. Mm -hmm. it In the 2017, it looks much more like a spider. Oh, really? Yeah. She's going to... Do pretty good, given that she only has the two tiny guns. I believe she makes it to the point where she gets to the top and rips her arms off. I love that part, man. <laughs> I've always loved that part. She's pulling off the hatch so that she can deactivate it. Yeah, she's basically trying to pull the hatch off, but she can't. And so she reaches the limitations of her own body and pulls her own arms off instead. Which is cool, because A, it looks cool, and B... It just shows you that what they've been talking about for the film, like the human body and the cold kind of augmentation and cyber stuff, is that everything has a limit. So that even even her body has a limit, and she goes over it. I, I, I don't know. I, I like that. I like that. To me, it just seems ridiculous. Did they do it in the film as well? They do. Yeah. How did it look? It looks alright. Looks alright. I've always loved that part. It's like it's one. If you say Ghost in the Shell to me, that's the part that I that immediately comes to my mind. Is her tearing her own arms off by trying to open this hatch. I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. I'm glad that it does work for you. It, to me, just seems wrong. She would be told that she was breaking the limit, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, but she's she's just like, yeah, I mean, she, you should stop. But she doesn't. That's the point. She is, like, super determined to get in there. But why? What's in there? She, well, she needs to shut it down so she can get into the car to get to the... She wants to... She can't dive, I think that's what she calls it, isn't it? She, she can't dive into the Puppet Master with a huge spider tank that's trying to blow her up. And yeah, she, I guess and she, so. I, I guess she's a race against time because she knows Section 6 is coming. People are going to be on her tail, so she's like working against the clock. Okay, know. I'll give you that then. My thing was always, she knows backup is coming. I think that's the whole point, is she wants to get in before they come, because as we see in two minutes from now, they try to kill her too. Yeah. Well, but I mean, back up in the fact that 
Pato will be on his way. Sure, sure, sure. And he arrives just in the nick of time. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're going to set up for uh, some more exposition. Yeah. We're going to yeah. dive in. But again, here's a point where she is covered with his jacket, but the other torso is left uncovered. Mm-hmm. This, for me, is just the part of the movie I just cannot deal with. It's okay. They're throwing theories out here. They're throwing philosophical ideas out there, but again, not covering them to any length that feels satisfying to me. This is the KFC bit from Matrix again for me as well. This is talking, not showing in the worst way for me, because there's even a part where I think there's about a minute where the screen freezes as (laughs) her sensors are getting shut off. And Bato is just frozen on the screen, <laughs> which cheap, yes, but yes, does show that the puppet master is in control, but also none of this makes sense to me. So she's diving in, but the puppet master swaps bodies. Why? He doesn't swap, he merges with her. No, 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 no. Not at first. He's giving her the choice, or at least seems to be. No, no, no. He takes over her body and is speaking through oh, her mouth. Sure, 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 yeah. And the other one, she's just trapped. Why? Maybe the other body didn't... The mouth mouth function wasn't on. (laughs) I don't don't know. Why does it matter? The puppet master wants Bato to hear just his half of the conversation? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Look at all all the juicy details you're missing out. I bet you wish you knew what she was saying. (laughs) I've got no idea, man. Yeah. You got me stumped on this one. It just baffles me so much. And then we're going to get all of this stuff about, yes... I controlled organizations. I changed markets and did stuff so that we had advantages. They couldn't control me, so I escaped. And then I stole the body. I created it. But I need that to get past Section 6's defenses. And here I am, and I'm alive. But to prove I'm alive, the thing I want to do is have electronic ghost babies, I guess. Because that is the thing. He says, we need to evolve and we need to have offspring. I could make a copy of myself, but a copy is a copy, and that is vulnerable. All the copies are vulnerable to the same things, which is what she was talking about in that van earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. He wants to create a new form, and this is what I just really don't understand, and where the vagueness of the ghost just really kicks in. And this is the core of the whole movie. It leads up to this, so it should be pretty important. And what happens, they merge... And become something new, though it doesn't really seem new. We don't see it new in any way. And they're going to spread beyond, I guess. But why? And if it's two brains, how does that work? How do you just have two brains come together? You can't even just shove two programs together. It doesn't work that way. So what is happening here? Yeah, what is happening here? (laughs) I don't know. I've got no idea. Yeah, the ending of this is just... A bit too much. It's like, I, okay, I get it. They merge. And even she explains, she's like, Major, it, when Batu says, is it you? And she's like, I don't know. It's kind of me, but it's not me. And yeah, but it still sounds like her. Yeah, it still sounds like her. So it's got it's got all her traits and stuff like that. But it's like, but she doesn't feel like her normal self. And then she's in a, she's a little girl again, I guess. It was the only body he could find on the black market, market. apparently. But like you said, they were going to destroy the bodies they, they were shooting. So yeah, they, yeah. they do... Sort of make it out, they cut to black, and then suddenly we're in the safe house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the manga, it's my understanding that it's actually a man's body. That he puts her into. Okay. Or that that's the one somehow the 
puppet master major body mm. is now a man, which throws off the whole romance, I believe. I believe that's part of what happened. Right. This one, yeah, it's just, oh, I'm different now. Not the same, but I'm going to go spread myself, I guess, through the net. But I'm going to do that first by standing on a cliff and looking down at the city. Where do we begin? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, I think I know, I know, I know what's in my mind of what they, well, what and they that's, wanted. I think that's what I need because I've never understood this. I don't see quite how it works. I don't see how you're shoving just two consciousnesses together and making a new consciousness. I can get past that, but it's like the whole babies thing. I think he says as well in his little monologue is that he wants to be able to die or something like that. He wants mortality. He but wa- the only way to sort of die is to have offspring and then disappear. Right. And so it would make more sense if Major was part woman and she could have children and then he merged with her consciousness and then she went on to have children that were part him. Yeah. But she's not. She doesn't have the parts. So I'm kind of at a loss. Because basically what this, what he's saying is he wants to have digital copies, but then we've already established that that's bad. You know, they've said it in the van. No, you have to be non-augmented because once a team is all homogenous, then we're open to failure. So but that's the Puppet Master's big plan is to... Well, no. I think he thinks merging together makes them something new. And that they'll continue to spread and make things new. So I think the idea is more to uh, okay. to go and invade more ghosts or merge with more ghosts. But again, I don't understand it. And I never have. And since this seems like what the whole movie was leading up to, it's leading up to a really vague ending that I do not understand from a concept of the ghost, which I feel is vague and has never really been explained. And without notes, without really diving into it, I found it just confusing to know who each character was. The characters, for the most part, don't really seem to have much motivation. The story doesn't seem to have much motivation. It's all leading to this moment, and this moment doesn't mean anything to me. So to me, the whole thing just falls a bit flat. Cool moments, not a great movie. Yeah, I mean, even at the end of The Matrix where he's like, uh, Neo is something else as well, isn't he? He's just like, I'm this thing now inside The Matrix. Kind of the same thing as this. It's like, I'm this new thing. Maybe you get to see me in the sequel and we'll explain more of it. <laughs> but it, but the sequel never came, unfortunately. But many many sequels did and many games did as well. I've got some of the games. Uh, <laughs> you are talking about the sequel for Ghost in the Shell, the proper yeah, not the Matrix story. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, there's I think there's two sequels. I think there's um, Ghost in the Shell Innocence, which I completely got mixed up with this one because I haven't seen the original Ghost in the Shell for years, man. I don't know the last time I, I probably saw it twenty years ago, and I was waiting for a bit in this film, going, "When's this bit coming up? When's this bit coming up?" Because there's a bit I can't say that because no, maybe no one's seen. To, um, I have to delete that. Would you recommend it? It's beautiful, and they've gone all in on the CG aspect. It's it's like very mo- more modern. Again, it's got a great soundtrack that <laughs> you probably won't like. It uh, depends. The songs that were more relaxing and stuff. So leading into the garbage man fight in the water with just sort of bells and things mm. was really beautiful. I love that. It's the shrill. It's those of- two. Is mm. those two? I don't even know if they're the same song used twice or if it's two different songs. But yeah, it's that particular style that I do not like. Yeah, 
but yeah, it's visually visually looks really good, and from what I remember, the story was pretty good because they definitely go into more of the whole copying ghosts and being able to hack into like it, it goes Matrix Reloaded basically. It's like Agent Smith's everywhere kind of thing, you know. You can be everywhere all at once, basically God. Yeah, it's worth a watch. I, I, I think it just I don't know. I, I I don't. When I watched this, even now, I was just like, yeah, I don't really. I don't care that it's not explained or that it amounts basically to nothing. <laughs> you know, I was just along for the ride and I enjoyed it. I get, I get why you don't like it. I can totally, you've put across a good argument for why you don't like it. And I totally understand because at the end of the day, I can't argue against it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's not everything that, like what you said at the end, there, everything it builds up to fizzles out. And it's like, that's the end of what I wrote down. <laughs> I didn't write down anything else. The end. And it's interesting, too, for me, because I'm seeing why you like it. And this is part of where our dynamic works, where you automatically will either fill in the gap on them, which is where we originally started the podcast, was I was catching <laughs> you on all these things saying, that wasn't in the movie, that's just in your head, which was kind of the original idea for this. Yeah. But also, having discussed so many games with you, especially you, the walking sim person, mm -hmm. there's just some things where you just like it for the experience. Yeah. And for that, I can understand, though, why you'd want to sit through some of the exposition. That's definitely the, the weakest one. Did you used to fast forward through it? No, we used to sit through it. Honestly, like, me and my friend, uh, we would sit on a couch and we would we would just, like, narrate over the top of it. And then, like, I would ask him stuff like, what's for dinner, Anish? And he'd be like, today's dinner is blah, 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 macaroni and cheese. It has 750 calories and it's really, really not nutritionally viable, but I'm going to eat it anyway. And it's like, until he basically <laughs> run, run out of breath. Yeah, we, we used to just talk about the top of it. When I worked, at a, uh, I worked at a radio station as well, I had, we called them darts. They were basically little discs that you could play uh, sounds from. And I had a whole bunch of Batu's lines on there because I thought they were just hilarious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah, so, we done? We, is there anything else you want to say? Is there, are, we, are we good to go? It's been an interesting discussion. Yeah, man, it has. Gaps filled and more gaps created. <laughs>